the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com today. So I'm not surprised that Chief Justice John Roberts, who was not on board with the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade in the leaked draft opinion that Politico got a copy of about 56 days ago. I'm not surprised that Roberts is now listed as concurring with the decision, making it a 6-3 decision. A lot of places you'll see it um, 6-3, a lot of places you'll see it 5-4. The original draft opinion was 5-4. Officially, it is a 6-3 opinion. But, but, I will say, Roberts did what Roberts always does. He tried to find a way to issue an opinion without really taking an opinion. He did it with Obamacare. He invented a tax that never existed. And Roberts seems to be first and foremost concerned about the survival of the court as an institution. I'm concerned about it, too. I'm concerned the Democrats are going to try to pack the court. You heard in the Salem News update, bottom of the hour, the White House is looking at its options with executive orders. You don't have any options. Dictators have options. Fascists have options. Kings have options. You don't have an option. We have checks and balances in our government. The Supreme Court rules. Sure, you can propose a law and, you know, the law can be voted on by both parties. And then guess what? Somebody can challenge that law and the court gets to rule on its constitutionality. And that's what they ruled on today, officially. So all the intimidation, the efforts to scare Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh, Thomas, Alito, into changing their mind that was voiced in the leaked draft opinion, they failed. And I really think, as I said, I see so much of God's divine hand in how things work. Because had this opinion today come out of nowhere, had we not had the leaked draft opinion, a first in Supreme Court history, that was obviously done by someone trying to, as I said, force, intimidate, scare the five most conservative justices into changing their minds. That didn't work. What did it? Uh, what did it accomplish? It got Roberts on board with a decision that he likely would not have been on board with before, because Roberts, the guy who first and foremost puts the concerns of the future of the court above everything that he does, not principle, not the Constitution, what's best for the institution that I'm in charge of? Isn't it great to have the top jurist in the country have that be his primary concern? But it got him on board 6-3. And it also took 
some, not all, look at look online, watch any video, any news channel, anywhere. It took some of the vitriol and some of the hatred away because any kind of reaction is tempered over seven weeks. So it's not at all a guarantee of success, uh, uh, rather of safety for churches this Sunday, for Catholic bishops and uh, priests and nuns. It's not at all a guarantee of safety for people like me, people like you, who are unabashedly, unashamedly pro-life. We don't know what the future holds in terms of that. But the effort to change this failed. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, Imagine the pressure that will be brought to bear on Kristen Cinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia, because there will be a renewed effort now to pack the court. The court cannot be packed unless all 50 Democrats, including Cinema and Manchin, agree to it. Kamala Harris would then break the tie, and the Supreme Court would become a farce. The mere fact that Joe Biden wants to try to figure out an executive order around the court's ruling shows the complete, utter disdain and lack of respect that the Biden administration has for the separation of powers, the checks and balances, and specifically for the Supreme Court. If you don't think so, listen to Speaker Nancy Pelosi 45 minutes after the ruling was issued today. They cannot be allowed to have a majority in the Congress to do that. But that's their goal. And if you read, and again, we're all studying all this, but if you read what is in the very clear, one of the justices had his own statement. It's about contraception, in vitro fertilization, (laughs) family planning. That is all what will spring from their decision that they made today. This is a typical democratic strategy. Take something that doesn't go your way, magnify it into something worse than what it is, which abortion hasn't gone away, I wish. California, New York, New Jersey, many, many states out there, Illinois, they'll even market themselves as abortion sanctuaries. You have Businesses like Starbucks saying they'll pay for their employees. They'll pay the expenses to fly and get an abortion. So there will be pro-life states and there will be pro-death states. And there is no effort afoot in Congress or anywhere else to end contraception. Nancy Pelosi knows this, but Nancy Pelosi is an unabashed, unrepentant liar. She is so power-hungry that she will say whatever she has to say to hopefully preserve and expand her power. More from the speaker today. 
such a contradiction. Yesterday, the say the states <clears throat> cannot make laws governing the constitutional right to bear arms. And today, they're saying the exact reverse. Are they? Are they really saying the exact reverse? Yesterday, in the 6-3 decision saying that New York's gun laws were restrictive, that you had to identify a specific threat in order to have the right to bear arms. The justices said, no, that's not constitutional. The Second Amendment gives you the right to keep and bear arms. Today, they said, the Constitution does not give you the right to abortion. It's not in there. The right to bear arms is in there. The right to abortion is not in there. So, in fact, the two rulings are exactly similar in that they uphold the content of the Constitution. Pelosi invents a difference because Nancy Pelosi does not esteem, value, or prioritize the Constitution, even though she took an oath to preserve it to serve in Congress. That the states can overturn a constitutional right for 50 years, a constitutional right for a woman having the right to choose. This point is not just a Pelosi point. This 50 years of precedent is also a Barack Obama point. Barack Obama tweeting an hour ago, today the Supreme Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, It relegated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues, attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. Uh, Nearly 50 years of precedent. Well, uh, Barack Obama, I assume, is not an advocate for racial segregation. But racial segregation was established as the law of the land in 1896 by Plessy versus Ferguson when heard before the Supreme Court. And racial segregation stood as the law of the land until 1954 in Brown versus Board of Education. My math tells me that's 58 years of precedent. Bad law is bad law, no matter how long it's on the books. Well, when I saw my next guest a week or so ago, uh, we hoped that that day might be the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned, but it's today, and any day that it would happen was going to be a great day to celebrate. When I reached Beth Vanderkoy of the Greater Columbus Right to Life moments ago on the phone, she greeted me with praise the Lord, and that's exactly how those of us in the pro-life community are feeling today. Beth, I can only imagine your degree of joy. You have worked in the people who work uh, under you and with you uh, for years on this. Uh, tell me what your emotions were like at ten eleven this morning when this word came down. Uh, well, those who know me, or good morning, uh, good afternoon, whatever time it is, I'm <laughs> kind of stood still this last little while. Um, but those who know me know that I am not one who is often at a loss or words. And uh, that's, that's exactly what happened. Uh, even now, I still, I'm like, wow. Um, uh, but, you know, what, 
what a tremendous day, but also in a lot of ways, what a challenging day uh, that we have before us. So, um, you know, we're in 50 years. This has been, we're in the 50th year of federally mandated abortion at basically up, up until the point of viability and in some places up until the moment of birth. Uh, and we finally returned that incredibly destructive and demonized and, and horrific law of the land. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's a huge, huge day. And uh, I, I'm, I'm both overwhelmed and, and excited and thankful, most of all, I think, uh, to God and to the people who have carried on this fight in big ways and little ways uh, for 50 years. Beth Vandercoy, Greater Columbus, Right to Life, our guest. Uh, so... What have you heard from the state legislators from the Ohio General Assembly? We have been told by Governor DeWine that he'll sign uh, the so-called trigger law, but they don't have it yet. Uh, what do you anticipate will be the response in the Ohio State House? There have been heartbeat bills before. What do you think will happen? Well, you know, I I'm I'm a, I call myself prayerfully optimistic. Um, I will say that, again, this is going to be an opportunity uh, for all of us to step up because, you know, for 50 years, it's been very easy for pro-life legislators to pass life-affirming laws, Um, some of them because they were genuinely pro-life and some of them because they were politically pro-life, and maybe even a couple of them because they knew that no matter what they passed, Supreme Court or the various courts would intervene. And now they're going to have an opportunity to put, you know, to to put their elbow grease in and actually do the work. Um, and I'm optimistic that it will happen, but it's only going to happen if we, you know, if we stand up as citizens and, and we, you know, we call for the passing of truly life-affirming laws from the moment of conception. It is so I'm in, optimistic, but it's never a done deal. It is encouraging, though, Beth, and your work at Greater Columbus Right to Life and all the people who have uh, worked with you. We have made gains over the years. I mean, this this doesn't happen just because Donald Trump appointed three pro-life justices. We have been able to make inroads on abortion. I know there used to be a number of abortion clinics in town. There's only one left. I assume that one's going to be going away now, which is phenomenal. Uh, but you mentioned in your initial answer that it's a it's a great day, but it's also a challenging day because of what's ahead. What do you mean when you say it's challenging? Well, I think uh, it's going to be challenging in a couple of ways. Um, there are a lot of people who are very angry and very upset today. Um, some of them have threatened violence against pro-life organizations and churches. Um, and these are people who have, you know, 50 years, what's that, three generations of women and people who have been told that equality and liberty rests on the back of dismembered and dead babies. And so I think we're, you know, we're going to see some violence, and I think that's a challenge. Uh, But the challenge that I'm really looking forward to um, is the challenge that, you know, with, with the, you know, with the dissemination of a decision or the signing into a law, we need to keep in mind that here in central Ohio, about 5,000 women had an abortion last year. And in the state, about 20,000 women had an abortion last year. And the very real problems in the lives of those women, you know, be that poverty, be that substance abuse, be that domestic violence, 
be that loneliness and a broken family and a broken heart, um, lack of God, lack of support, all of these problems are still going to exist. Mm -hmm. They are not going to go away overnight. And so this is an opportunity for us to step forward and be part of the solution uh, and to stand up and say and acknowledge these are very real problems. Uh, And if you come to a pro-life organization, if you go to a pregnancy center, if you go to your pro-life church and you are having these problems, these are organizations that have and will continue to meet you in that need and walk with you. And if you go to those other guys, you walk in the door and you give them $500, $800, $1,000, and they give you a dead baby. And that does not solve the real underlying genuine problems that drove you uh, to that point of despair. And so I think that our challenge is going to be making both short-term and long-term changes uh, so that we meet the genuine needs. And I say short-term because poverty is real. Homelessness is real. Addiction is real. These are all very real problems. But there's also long-term solutions. You know, we need to restore people's faith in God so they don't feel alone, so they don't feel driven to despair. And we need to rebuild and strengthen families uh, because moms, uh, children need moms and dads, and, you know, families bring people out of poverty. 83% or around 80 80 to 85% of women seeking abortions are single or divorced or widowed. Um, and so we have both short-term and long-term acts of mercy that we're being challenged to. And then I think the third challenge is we have to acknowledge that this was not a national personhood movement. You know, this wasn't uh, this was an elimination of abortion everywhere in the United States. This was kind of an acknowledgement, not of the personhood of, of children, but of states' rights. Yeah, And so we're going to have a battle. Is Ohio going to be an abortion state or a human dignity state? Um, and, and that is going to continue at the local level, at, you know, your city councilman, your county commissioner, your state legislator, your, United, your Ohio Supreme Court justices. Uh, this is not over. This is um, – if anybody was at our banquet, they heard our, the president of our board kind of quote Churchill. This isn't the end. It's not even, you know, it's it's the, it's the end of the beginning. Right. And so now what we really are is maybe we're at the beginning of the end. Well said, Beth. And uh, I'm just, you know, but take some time to celebrate today because this is a long-awaited day, and uh, and it is a great day. But you're right, the work doesn't end. That's uh, a very, very, very apropos message. Thanks so much for your work. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, and pray for life, and and. and- and pray for safety. That's what I'm asking everybody. Pray in Thanksgiving. Amen. Beth Vanderkoy, the director of the Greater Columbus Right to Life organization. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show, dead ahead. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.